I want to continue our series called Twas. Uh, and if you're wondering what Twas is, it comes from a, a very popular poem that many of you have probably said or heard read or, or had some experience with uh, called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Now, this particular poem is really responsible for a lot of what we understand about this guy named Santa Claus. Uh, and, and, and what he's all about. And, and really, uh, even the idea of gift giving and some of those kinds of things come out of this very popular poem. And the point of this particular series is for us to consider what really was it like the night before Jesus came into the world? Not the night before Santa showed up, but really, what was it like? What was the night before Christmas, really? What did that look like? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I don't know if you've ever even considered that. Maybe you only considered the poem, but you, you haven't necessarily considered what it was like for Joseph, for Mary, for all of the people involved. You know, what was the world really like before Christmas? What was the world really like before Jesus being born? Now, last week we had some time to talk about that. We shared a little bit about light. Twas just simply means it was. And so it was the night before. It was the night before. And one of the things we discussed is that while it was the night before, the world was a very dark place. And we talked about how Jesus is the light of the world. And into the middle of that darkness... Into the middle of that worldly darkness, the world being dark, in the middle of your darkness right now, Jesus is the light. And he comes into your world and he brings light to the places that are dark. Yeah. Isaiah 9, 1 through 2 says this. The prophet speaks. He says, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. <laughs> and that light is Jesus. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, the light has shined. See, my friends, Jesus is the light. See, so the night before Christmas it was dark, but Jesus came into the world and brought light. Yeah. That's good news, my friends. Yeah. But I've got, good, I've got more good news for you today. I've got more good news that we have to look at this Advent season, this holy expectation, this anticipation of Jesus coming as a little baby. See, there were all kinds of problems that needed to be addressed that needed Jesus' attention because, see, it was the night before Christmas and not only was it dark, there was a lot of other problems as well. Everything wasn't right. And you know one of the things I love most about my God is that He promises, He promises to make everything right. It might not happen in my day, but He promises to make everything right. That is exciting to me. Matter of fact, I don't want to worship a God that doesn't make things right. Do you? We serve a God who is just. And he knew that things were not right in the world. And so as a result of that, he ushered in a redemptive plan that involved his son Jesus. And so the light came. 
But it's more than that. It was the night before Christmas and the world was buckling under the pressure of all kinds of political problems, misguided and misaligned men and women of power, people who were seeking political power, money, success, and the toll of that was causing great suffering in the world. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you feel like we can even relate to that today. Perhaps that's something that's common to human beings. (laughs) Maybe it's even common to people in power. And say, Jesus comes specifically into that kind of world. Let me say it this way. Rule and reign had been reversed and things weren't right. Rule and reign had been reversed and things weren't right. See, there was all kinds of political unrest. There was an oppressive government overseeing the people of God. They were being taxed, some say, at a level of 50 to 60 percent. Come on. We complain about 20. 50 or 60 percent. In other words, what that means is if you had two bushels of wheat, one bushel went to the government and one bushel went to you. Get this. In this kind of upside-down system, 10% of the people were getting it all. And the other 90 weren't getting much at all. It was an impressive environment. Matter of fact, you've probably heard of a guy named Herod the Great. He's in the story. As we read the birth narrative, as we look at what, what, what happened when Jesus came into the world, there's this guy named Herod the Great. And let me just say, he's not a very good dude. He's not. Matter of fact, most people would say that he oversaw what they might call as like a police state. A police state. Think about that. Almost like a dictatorship. He was a client king. He was put in power by Rome to oversee these little ornery Jewish people that seemed to cause all kinds of problems. That was his job. It was really a third world state under a military dictatorship where all kinds of coercion, say that fast three times, was present. See, Joseph and Mary, they were living in this oppressive society. That was their experience. That's what they were dealing with. And we talked about last week how the census was a reminder of the fact that every time they registered a name, they were saying to themselves and reminding themselves of the fact that they were a people who were being oppressed. That's a pretty dark place to be, isn't it? Division and disunity was all over the place. All kinds of issues. It was the night before Christmas and Israel was oppressed and Israel was fractured. You've heard the names, Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, other seas. Zealots, Essenes, you're like, oh, wow, who are all these people? They are factions that existed within the people of God. There was fracturedness in the people of God. Let me ask you this. Do you see any fracturedness today in our politics? Do you see any fracturedness? Let me me go a step further. In the people of God? So perhaps it was the night before Christmas. What are we, like 10 days out? It was the night before Christmas. It was the night 
before Christmas. How long? Oh, four days. <laughs> Y'all, you, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just preach. That's all I do, you know. <laughs> it was the night before Christmas, you know. And I think Jesus is relevant. Because the Bible says he's alive. And so, so what I mean is, is that, that it was the night before Christmas and it was dark. It was the night before Christmas and there were all kinds of disunity and all kinds of brokenness. And yet the the story of Jesus tells us that that into that mess, (laughs) into that real struggle, Jesus came. It was the night before Christmas and Jesus showed up and you know what he did? He performed what I would call the great reversal. The great reversal where the rule and reign that had been reversed, Jesus shows up and says, no, no, no. Y'all got it wrong. I'm the king. I'm in charge. This little baby that grows into a man is ushering in a rule and reign. A rule and reign that, is, that, that will bring into the world something that we all long for. See, Jesus was born to change things. It's not just a historical dot on a timeline. It is an instance in history that radically changes everything. Jesus brings rain into the storms of life. I spell rain, R-E-I-G-N. See, he brings rain into the storms of my life. He brings rain into the storms of your life. Do you see? The things that you're experiencing, the challenges that you face, the storms that are going everywhere and you don't know if you're going to make it. Jesus shows up and says, quiet storm. Because I'm the rule and the reign that makes those things true. I just want to do a walk after that. (laughs) The rule and reign of Jesus is here. Friends, you may not have that. You may not be experiencing it right now. But God says you can And if you want some of that, well, then buckle up and listen. Isaiah chapter 9. I love the way the prophet predicts these things that prophesies what's going to happen. Guys, this is so powerful. This should help you see that this stuff is truer than you probably even know. That many, many years before Jesus even came, the prophets were talking about him. But listen to this in Isaiah chapter 9, 3 through 7. He says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people. Rejoice, look at, at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Do you know why you divide the plunder? Because you've won. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because of what Jesus has done. See, see, for you will break the yoke of their slavery. Rome will be cast off. 
All kinds of oppression and dictatorships will be cast off because at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ is freedom. And he will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Come on. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots and, uh, of the warriors, look at this, the boots of the warriors and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. You know what he's saying? Peace is coming. Peace is coming. That in this little baby is the potential for peace. There will be fuel for the fire, these blood-stained rags. And then look, this is the one you, this is the part of the scripture you probably have heard and know. He says, for, for a child is born to us. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He says, says for there, there will be a child born to us. A son is given to us. So he's a child, but he has a father. Get this. the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What? Prince of Peace. And he says it again. He says his government and, and, and its peace will never end. Thank you, Jesus. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for what? All eternity. See, the passionate commitment of the Lord's he of heaven's armies will make this happen. In other words, when God says he'll do something, he does it. And he did it with Jesus coming into the world. That in that little baby, in that little baby Jesus, not only was there light coming to expel the darkness, there was a king coming to rule and reign forever. Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the King of Kings. Do you hear me? Jesus is the King of Kings. No government, no institution, no church. Jesus is the King of Kings. But see, it's important that you understand something. I know that when I say this, you're like, well, okay, that's all well and good, Pastor, but I don't see it. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way at Christmas? We talk about Jesus ushering in this kingdom and you're looking around and you're like, well, this doesn't look like the kingdom that you're talking about, Pastor. Perhaps you're deceived. And this is a critical point that you have to get. You have to see this. It is such a critical kingdom principle that you have to understand. And that is the rule and reign of Jesus is both now and later. In other words, we are living between two advents. Get this. We are living between two comings. The first coming of Jesus as a baby and the second coming of Jesus in, as, as a king in victory coming to pass on the world as he ushers in and he brings together heaven and earth. Does that make sense? And so there's a waiting, a longing for that second part, but it doesn't take away the fact that we can live into the first part. 
Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was given to you and to me. If you said yes to Jesus today, if, you have, if you've ever said yes to Jesus and brought him in as the Lord of your life, as the Savior of your life, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and if you will learn to love the Holy Spirit as your best friend, you will have the power you need to overcome the challenges you face today. You can live in the promises of tomorrow, but you can live in the power and the freedom and the victory today. It's both and. See, the kingdom of God has arrived and it will come. See, this little baby brought us the beginning. And Jesus is the end. If you think about it, he's the beginning and the end is what the Bible says. He's the bookend of the deal. <laughs> it comes now and in the future. Jesus will come in final victory. Let me read it to you. You're like, I don't know. if it, Is that true? Is that true? Listen, this is in Revelation. Perhaps you've read that book. Revelation 17, 14. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. Who? The enemies of God. Satan himself and all of his minions. All of the people that have, have rejected God. It says, but the Lamb will defeat them. Why? Because he's Lord of lords and King of kings. In the bleak midwinter. Whoosh. The kingdom of God has come. In your winter. In your frozen lives. Jesus has come. The King of kings and the Lord of lords because he reigns. Revelation 19, 16 says it this way. I like this. For some of you that have tattoos, listen. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I'm not saying Jesus had a tattoo, so y'all just relax. <laughs> Maybe he wrote it in Sharpie. I don't know. But I just picture that right there. King of Kings. Lord of lords, gladiator Jesus, come walking out. You know, your soft little cuddly Jesus that hugs the bunnies. The little baby that you're like, oh, he's so cute and I just want to hug him. I want to cuddle him. Yes, he is that. But he's also the one with it written on his thigh. And he's walking out and he's coming back. And this time he's coming back on a white horse and he's coming back in victory. And he will set the world right. Is what he says. Yeah. I tell you what, guys. I could stop right there. and We could probably do an altar call right now. Some of you are so eager. You're like, I want you, Jesus. I need you. But I have a little bit more. In the meantime, Jesus is giving us this possibility of living in the rule and reign of God. He's the, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that we can count on. See, when Jesus rules and reigns, get this, when Jesus rules and reigns in our life, peace is possible. When Jesus is king, he brings peace. So if he brings peace when he's king, then that means that you can have what? Peace. In other words, the byproduct, the benefit, the gift of the king is peace. So here's the question. Am I experiencing that now? Am I experiencing peace right now? Am I in turmoil and conflict? Am I struggling? See, Ephesians 2, 14 and 17 say this, for he himself is our peace. Yeah. 
who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. And right here he's talking about religious hostility. He goes on, he says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. You know what that means? He's preaching peace to everybody. And Ephesians 2.14, it says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. So do you see the point? Jesus is not only bringing peace, but he is peace. He is the personification of peace. So when you see the word Prince of Peace, that is what the Bible is saying. So in other words, wherever Jesus is, if he's in your heart, he's in your life, that means that peace is present. The question is, is will we reach for it? Will we grab hold of the thing that exists? The thing that's real, and that's Jesus. When Jesus is King of Kings, peace is possible. So I ask you this question again. How's your peace right now? How is it? Be honest. What I want to do for just a second, and I, I normally don't do this, but I just wanted to take a pause. I've been learning a lot about pauses, how important pauses are in our life. Just to pause and reflect again on who God is. Some of us haven't paused this whole week. Some of us have been running around with our heads cut off. We've been so twisted and in so much turmoil. We haven't paused at all. So what I want to do is I want to show you something on the screen here. This is a scale from 1 to 10. Let's just get real. Can we do that for a second? Let's just get real. Where do you fall on that? Where are you right now? And I know some of you, because of how you're wired, you're going to go right to the middle. Because it makes you feel like, eh, I'm not so bad, but I'm not so good. Let's press into that a little bit. Because it is, is it God's goal for you to have average? Is it God's goal for you to have five? As far as I'm concerned, the Bible says you can have 10. So what I want to do for a few minutes is I've, I've prepared a little song that I want you to listen to. And just for a moment, I want you to ask the Lord where you are. And so I'm going to pray and they're going to play this song. And I just want you to take just a few minutes and identify where you are right now. And then ask the Lord, say, Lord, where do you want me? Let me pray. God, I thank you for your peace. I thank you that in you we have peace. So Lord, would you help us identify exactly what you want us to see in this moment? In Jesus' name, we invite you here. Peace like a river wash over me. me in water as deep as the sea Jesus, my. Yeah. 
Isaiah 66, 12 through 14. Hear these words from Isaiah. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her, the church, you, like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. Do you see it? It's a promise. Then you'll be nursed. You'll be carried on her hip and trotted, lovingly bounced up and down on her. God's maternal knee is what the Amplified says. Can you picture the Lord pulling you close, bouncing you on his knee? As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem and in St. Louis and every other city in the land. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, your bones shall flourish like green and tender grass, and the powerful hand of the Lord shall reveal, will be revealed and known to be with his servants, but his indignation shown to be against his enemies. The strong hand of the Lord is against his enemies. But the soft hand of God is pulling his people close and saying, will you come? And here's the image that I felt like the Lord gave me as I was in prayer this week. Is I'm sitting by a river on some green grass. Maybe you can picture it in your mind's eye. It's not a dirty river like the Merrimack. It's a, it's a pretty clear river, almost maybe like the beginning of a river, you know, before all the pollutions get involved. It's a river that's flowing and you can see the bottom. It's pure. And you're sitting there on that green grass and, and God's saying to you, peace like a river. And he's inviting you to get in. Are you willing to get in? Are you willing to step into the river and allow the waters of God, the peace waters of God to wash over you, clean you, restore you, bring you back into right fellowship with him, bring you back into a centered place of peace this Christmas? It was the night before Christmas and all kinds of chaos was swirling around our lives. And the Lord says, will you get in? It's not good enough to sit by the river. Will you get in? And so I want to share with you just three things very quickly that I think will help you. Number one, in order to be able to get into the river, we have to do something, and it's really hard to do. I think it's one of the hardest things for us as human beings to do because we're inherently selfish. We want to be in control. Let me just let that sit there for a second. We want to be in control. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize who's on the throne. Who's on the throne of your life? Picture a throne just for a moment. Do you have it? I provided one for you. Who's on the throne right now? Who's trying to control things right now? Who's on the throne? It's so critical we get this point. 
See, Galatians 2.20 says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? In other words, there's been a great replacement, not just a reversal, but there's been a great replacement. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Put the throne back up. See, people want the salvation of God without having to submit to the God of salvation. Let me say that one more time. People want the salvation of God without having to submit to the God of salvation. And it doesn't work that way. And so what we have to do is we have to give up the throne. As Carrie Underwood said it so well, Jesus, take the wheel. We have to give up the control. We have to say, you know what, I'm not going to sit on this throne anymore because first of all, it's not my throne to sit on. I'm a usurper if I'm sitting on it. I'm a usurper if I'm sitting on the throne. But our God is so gracious and loving that he's like, okay, try it out, kid. Try it out. How's that working for you? Because none of us have the capacity to carry the weight of the world. And yet sometimes we do. Or sometimes we try to. And God looks at us and he says, you know, hey, when you get tired, you let me know. When that seat just starts to feel too big for you, you let me know, kid. And we can switch spots. And I promise you, the moment we switch spots, things are going to change. It's going to be exactly how I've described it. And that's what I want to give you. But here's the thing, guys, and you got to hear me here. It's hard to recognize sometimes who's on the throne. Sometimes it's easy. But the thing that I've discovered is sometimes the thing that keeps us from being able to surrender the throne or get right with God is that we've got some either control stuff going on or we've got some unforgiveness in our heart. We've got some bitterness that's taken hold of us. We feel like God's let us down. We feel like God has failed us. We feel there's something of an offense. There's something of some kind of strife that is there in us. There's a turmoil. Matter of fact, let me say it this way. There's a lack of peace. And the Lord says, you bring that to me. Not only do we need to replace seats or we need to reverse seats, but you need to bring me the stuff that you're holding on to because you're never going to be free if you don't. And so I want to ask you that question. Do you have some unforgiveness? Do you have some stuff that you just need to give to him? Because the Bible says that if you will, he'll take it. And you won't have to carry it around with you anymore. You can take that backpack that you've been carrying and drop it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, you keep it. Because I'm traveling light. I'm going to run the race that you've called me to. I'm no longer going to carry burdens that you haven't called me to carry. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And I'm going to be free. And then lastly, I'll end with this. Number three is we have to daily cultivate our personal relationship with God. You hear me say that all the time. But it's true. Do I want to spend time with Jesus in my life? Do I want to take the time? Not do I have to because the preacher told me to, but do I want to be with him? And if you don't want to be with him, then something is off. Just be honest. Be vulnerable with someone. Share that and say, guys, something is off. I don't want to be with him right now. 
He's big enough to deal with that. And then watch what God will do. Just give it to him and then start to cultivate again that love relationship that maybe you had at one time. And a great way to do that is through the SOAP method that we talk about here. Matter of fact, if you go out in the lobby, there are some cards out there to help you. We've created some new guides that are available. If you download the app, there's some new study plans available to you to help you make that decision today. So get yourself off the throne. Surrender anything that you need to surrender to the Lord. And then finally begin to run hard after him and cultivate that personal relationship with him because this will be true of your life. Listen. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 through 21. You've got to hear this because I can tell you this. The moment I say it, you'll say, yes, yes, Lord, I want that. Listen. And so that you can know and understand what it is, listen to this, the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. So if you believe, you, Paul is trying to say, this is what I want you to see. This is the benediction I want you to receive. He says, the power in us for those who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Verse 20, watch this. Which he exerted in Christ and he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Watch it, watch it. Gets better. He says, far above all rule and authorities and power and dominion and every name. Above every title that's ever been conferred. Not only in this age, but in the world to come, but also, come on, in the age to come. Do you see what he's saying? Is that you can experience it now and you can experience it later because it's all found in a relationship with Jesus. That little baby that grew into a man. Do you want it? Do you want that? God, I hope you do. I hope that that's your prayer today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it shapes us, how it, how it reveals things to us. God, I want to pray for those people today that just need more peace in their life. They've got a relationship, but something's off. I pray in the name of Jesus for this to shift some things in them. If, if you're in a place where you're not having that experience of peace right now, I'm gonna pray for you specifically. I want you to pray in your mind this prayer. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I might be on the throne and I'm sorry for being a usurper. I recognize my need for you and that I can't carry the world and so Lord I'm getting off the throne right now just tell him say Lord I'm getting off the throne so that you can take your rightful place God I ask right now that you would search our hearts if there's any bitterness unforgiveness or problems in us Lord any disappointment we give it to you right now we ask, Lord, for your forgiveness. We ask for your help. We ask for your healing. Would you set us free today? The backpack of junk that we have, God, we're putting it at the foot of the cross. 
and asking for your freedom and your forgiveness and your healing. And then finally, God, we are going to come after you. We want to come after you, God. We want to seek you. We are making commitments today that we will follow through on this Christmas because we love you. We recognize that the only reasonable response to a God who loves us and gave his son for us is that we love you back. So Lord, help us to love you back. Jesus, your word says that anybody that comes after you will find you. The Bible says that if you'll knock, he'll open the door. And some of us today have never, ever open the door. We've never even heard the door knock. And Jesus is right now knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, let me be your savior. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that it's true, that he'll come in and forgive you of your sins. He'll set you free. I begin to transform you from the inside out. And I just ask you this question, do you know him? Do you know him? And if you don't, please take advantage of this prayer right now. I want to pray for you, church. We're all praying together. Intercessors are praying with us. We're all praying together for, for people to take a step towards Jesus today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and begin to save people, transform people, introduce yourself to them. If you're here today and present in this house or you're online and that's your heart, you're like, I've got to get it right. I've got to get, I've got to, get to Jesus. I just want to ask you, if that's you, I'd love to lead you in this prayer. Let this be your prayer. Church, we're all going to pray together. Nobody's praying alone. It's, 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 it's a prayer that we all can pray. And all I ask is if, if this is your heart, if this is what you want, just mean it. Just mean it. Just have faith and believe that what Jesus says is true. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Thank you for sending your Son. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you set me free? God, I'm getting off the throne of my life. I'm putting you on the throne. You're Lord. I'm not. Would you transform me from the inside out? I need you. Come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we celebrate anybody that, that took that step of faith today?